This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You likely have been kept abreast of the uh, ridiculous border situation uh, by Bill Malusian's outstanding reporting on Fox. Uh, Pam, have you uh, have you seen Bill Malusian on uh, Fox? Not familiar with uh, Bill Malusian? You don't know what he looks like? I don't think so. Okay, well, I ask because mm-hmm. here is the story from Politico. Uh, It says, there's a tall Fox News reporter in his mid-30s with slicked back hair. Bill Malusian does not have slicked back hair. Hmm. Bill Malusian has, like, stand-up hair. It, like, stands up straight. Like, I don't know. I know they're talking about Bill Malusian, but from the very beginning, you know this is going to be a hit job because they say he has slicked Mm -hmm. back hair, and he doesn't have slicked back hair. There's a tall Fox News reporter in his mid-30s with slicked back hair and an air of combative indignation who's getting under the skin of some people in Joe Biden's administration. And he's not Peter Ducey. Yeah. Story remembers. Uh, story continues. Bill Malusian, a former L.A. Emmy-winning reporter, has become a growing presence online and in broader political circles as Fox's go-to reporter at the southern border. He's done hundreds of television hits since joining the network last year, largely from border states, where he often focuses on the historic flow of migrants that are overwhelming communities there. Now, I'm going to stop reading right there. Isn't the news here that there's a historic flow of migrants that are overwhelming communities there? Like, wouldn't Politico do better to do a story on the historic flow of migrants that are overwhelming communities there? (laughs) Instead, they do a long hit job on Bill Malusian doing his job. It is Bill Malusian's job. To report the dysfunction at the border. It is Politico's job, by the way, to report the dysfunction going on at the border. But instead, what are they reporting? They're reporting that the White House doesn't like Bill Malusian doing his job, which (laughs) Bill Malusian wouldn't have the chance to do if the White House were doing its job. There wasn't a problem. On quelling border infestation. Yes. Yes. So this is another piece of evidence. In the ongoing lack of consequences in our society for bad behavior, whether it's crime or whether it's ineptitude, which I would argue that the Biden administration's ineptitude is criminal when it comes to its desired expansion of Title IX to include gender. It is so ridiculous. And it's so evil. People think, oh, you overstate it when you say that this gender-affirming care is evil. Well, let me ask you a question. If I could play for you audio of hospital administrators talking about whether or not we should do sex reassignment surgery on minors, and in that audio... 
the hospital administrator voiced an overwhelmingly convincing argument. Not that the kids are in need of this kind of physical mutilation for their psychological well-being, but that, wow, if we don't do this, man, we are really, really, really leaving a lot of money on the table. In other words, let's mutilate some kids so we can make a lot of money. A lot of money. Well... Hang on, because here is an administrator from Vanderbilt Children's Hospital when Vanderbilt was determining whether or not they wanted to open a gender-affirming care clinic. Some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. Okay, so she said, it's a little hard to hear, but she says, Pam, can you make this out? She's saying, so we top got surgery. we got the numbers. We got the numbers. You can bring in a lot of money. Top surgery. This is not even counting bottom surgery. Here's how much money we can make. Here she goes. Oh. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. It's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. Female to male chest reconstruction surgery could bring in forty thousand uh, dollars. Patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars because that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. And so, you so said she said just chemical. The last part was the chemicals. The the money said could bring in several thousand dollars for the hospital. Here it is again. Uh, patient just on routine hormone treatment. Routine hormone treatment. A patient just got routine hormone treatment. A patient just got routine hormone treatment who I'm only seeing a few times a year. Only seeing them a few times a year. A patient just got routine hormone treatment who I'm only seeing a few times a year can bring in several thousand dollars because that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually can bring in several thousand dollars from visits and labs. And this person was speaking yeah, she was, to a she, seminar she, at Vanderbilt? She was a hospital administrator. Okay. They were debating, should we open a gender reassignment center? Should we go into this business? This is the audio from when they were debating whether to do it or not. Here's more from that same administrator on that same topic about how much money they're leaving on the table if they don't do it. Now, these I got from the internet, um, but... It's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries. Okay, so she says, this is from the internet. It's from the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgeries. Talking about bottom surgery, how much we can make. Are making, and this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. I think this has to be an underestimate. The number I'm going to give you, listen to this number. It's an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. For vaginoplasty. So they're going to... Ew. Yeah. It's... I mean, some of this stuff... I said last night. But to, that... that that Just to defend... Play devil's advocate, they could be talking about adult surgeries. Yeah, but and they're, I know they're that doing these surgeries on I minors. I was about to say, yeah. the problem is, is that we don't agree with them doing yeah. it on minors. On minors. Correct. So here she goes with more. They're saying they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a So, vaginoplasty, $20,000, doesn't include your hospital stay. 
doesn't include your labs and follow-up visits. That doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. Doesn't include your anesthesia. Doesn't include oh, that's your always OR. A separate bill. Yeah. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. Has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeons. That's just the surgeon. Twenty grand just for the surgeon. Uh, which anybody who's ever been in the hospital knows that's like 10% of it. Which everybody in the hospital knows is like 10% of it. That's what she said. Everybody in the hospital knows. It's like 10% of it. $20,000. 10% of what we could make off this. Uh, and then the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a... Again, has to be an underestimate. They're quoting around $20,000. For a phalloplasty, there's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. It could be up to $100,000. Well, they must have opened it because I just Googled it and that clinic exists. Oh, it's open. Oh, it's a, yeah. I got a lot more on it. They've scrubbed their website, by the way. All these videos were on their website last week. They are now all taken down. Well, they really sounded very, you'll hear. Oh, and it lists pediatric transgender clinic, yeah. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Yeah, yeah. Here's more from this twisted person. Um, Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties. And that- so there are entire clinics, according to this doctor at Vanderbilt, that are supported by female to male surgeries. I mean, this is just despicable. But wait, it gets worse. What if you work at Vanderbilt? You work at Vanderbilt and you like don't want any part of this, right? You're like, I can't be a part of this. I don't want to do these surgeries. I'm a nurse. I have a genuine, authentic uh, faith objection to doing these surgeries. I see we're ready. Yeah, we're ready to go to break. Uh, How would you like if you were that nurse that doctor you'd have to change jobs and you were threatened with your job you're not allowed to have a authentic faith objection oh i've got that audio for you next this is not unique to vanderbilt this is going on all around the country there are over 200 hospitals doing this in the united states 200 So we are supposed to have constitutional protections in our country against being made to do things that conflict with our sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, In Nashville, Tennessee, at Vanderbilt University, when they decided they were going to become one of the 200 hospitals in the nation that performs sexual reassignment surgery on children, they then had an issue in that Some of their staff felt like it was not in line with their religious beliefs to mutilate children before they were of the age of consent. And so the question came up at a seminar where the speaker was Ellen Wright Clayton. She is Vanderbilt's health law expert. What about conscientious objection to such procedures? Is there an opt-out? For those of us on staff who do not have peace reconciling our faith with cutting the healthy breast tissue off girls or of mutilating uh, the uh, 
trying to figure out how to say this tastefully. Um, a boy biologically and making him a girl. What about a conscientious faith objection? Will you recognize that and honor that personal conflict that we have? Uh, here was her response. If you are going to assert conscientious objection, you have to th- realize that that is problematic. You are doing something to another person, and you are not paying for the, the cost for your belief. I think that is a real, I mean, I think that's a real issue. So yes, Vanderbilt, if someone has a conscientious objection to pers- uh, for participating in this sort of surgery, it, it probably have to accommodate you to the extent that, that you can find another person who can do your job, who doesn't have an objection, other things of that nature. But I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. And, and it should not be without consequences. And I just want to put that out there. We are given enormous, if you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. Did you catch that? Well, there you are. If you're going to assert conscientious objection, you have to realize that is problematic, she said. You are doing something to another person, meaning the person who has to sub for you. You are not paying the cost for your belief, she said. I think that is a real issue. She said Vanderbilt will accommodate you. We probably have to accommodate you, she said. And then she issued a final warning. I just want you to take home the notion that saying you're not going to do something because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences and should not be without consequences. I just want to put that out there. You have a nice job. Be ashamed if something happened to it. Right? That's what she's saying. She said, if you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. We don't want your kind here, Wow, is what she's saying. They are making it crystal clear there that you will do what you are told. You will go along. They have no respect for faith. They have no real respect for science. They have no real respect for children. So why would you think they would have any real respect for you? They don't. They don't. They will describe you in the harshest terms. So I do not feel bad about saying that these people are evil. They are engaged in evil. They are gripped by evil. They are in the clutches of evil because to harm children is the epitome of evil. And yet, of course, that is how they portray us. That is how they have spoken of Ron DeSantis. Did you ever think you'd see the day when the New York Times would write about Donald Trump and say that he had, and I quote, charm and charisma. The New York Times. Charm and charisma. Now, why would the New York Times say that Donald Trump, who it is demonized for the better part of, what now, six years, has charm and charisma? Because they are comparing Donald Trump to Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor who sent 48 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Now, Trump has charm and charisma, and Ron DeSantis 
is the worst of the worst. Ron DeSantis is Hitler-like. The uh, double standard here is palpable, as pointed out by Greg Gutfeld on The Five. I think it's brilliant. You can call it a stunt. You can say they're using people as props, but that's how the Republicans learned that from the Democrats. The ball has been moved down the field on this. The media and Democrat response has not been to attack the problem with solutions, but to attack the person with the solutions, which is DeSantis, right? So it's kind of funny to see their excuses during this. For example, they believe that the whole goal of Republicans now is to, quote, own the libs. No, it was simply to attract attention to a problem. You are owning yourself. That just happens to be icing on the cake, right? So I think that you're seeing exactly what happens. I think when Democrats realize there's a new formidable Republican, you know, out there, suddenly you have a new Hitler. And then the old (laughs) Hitler, well, maybe he's not so bad. Suddenly the New York Times is saying how Trump is kindler and gentler and funny and he never took himself seriously and charming. That's that. So now the guy they called Hitler is now not Hitler because the sand. You can't have just what you can't. And not everybody can be Hitler at once. Right. So this is obviously what happened when they, you know, they demonized Romney. And then when when Trump came along, then Romney became a statesman. And when it was Romney, he was evil before McCain became, you know, a moderate. So they do this all the time. Yeah. They, they do it all the time. He's absolutely right. Yeah. Romney was worse than McCain. Romney became great when Trump came around. Now Trump is going to be great when DeSantis comes around. Uh, I've noticed here on the Akron Children's Hospital website, they were so proud of all their gender-affirming medicine that they have links to stories at the bottom. Akron Children's Hospital helps transgender... I won't say her name because I feel so sorry for her. She's trapped in this evil web. Help be her true self. And it's a picture of this beautiful little child and they've turned this child into a sex opposite of what the child was born which i mean that's pretty amazing medically right i would think you know i click on that and it'd be all about how great it is no funny uh i click on it and the story says uh hmm we have not archived that URL. This page is not available on the web because the page does not exist. Well, it must have existed when it was touted on the Akron Children's Hospital website. Maybe if I go to the next one, Akron Children's Hospital attends Akron Pride Parade. Oh, there's a bunch of people with colored hair and rainbow shirts on. Oh, um, that story's not on the web anymore either. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, here's another one. So-and-so shares their story for Transgender Day of Visibility. I click on that one. I'm sure that... What do you know? That page is not available on the web because that page does not exist. This is like one of uh, six stories down here on the bottom of the Akron Children's Hospital website about the wonderful outgrowth of gender-affirming medicine, and and all six of them no longer exist on the web. wonder why they're promoting stories on their website that never existed on the web. That's weird. Does anybody else find that weird? I find that weird. Planet Oat Oat Milk is so rich and creamy. I love it in my cereal, but also in smoothies. With zero grams of sugar in Planet Oat unsweetened varieties. But it gets even better. It's an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D that's delicious in everything. Mmm, including my lattes. Pick up the carton that has it all. Or visit planetoat.com for more. Planet Oat. Be good to you.